If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined by David Perret with Military Millionaire. David, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sterling. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm just working through the uh, the daily grind, you know, uh, making decisions, trying to figure out if they're the right one or not. <laughs> what about yourself? <laughs> well, as we as I said right before the show, I uh, today's one of those days where I feel like I have a million things I need to do, and I don't know what any of them are. And therefore, I don't know that I've accomplished anything, but I, yeah, it's hard to, I don't know. It's just <laughs> a weird, weird Friday today. It's been a weird week. I, yeah, I was out of town for two and a half weeks. And so it's like, I've got all these things to do. But also, I had to let my assistant go, and I haven't hired a new one. So my life is just turmoil this week. And oh, like, man. Oh, my gosh. What do I do today? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And do you let do you let your assistant control your calendar and your inbox? Or do yeah, you? and and so you know you would think that the reason that my life is chaos right now is because I let her go, and therefore it fell into chaos, and I don't know how to deal with it, and I haven't caught up. Um, but the reality is that I let her go because because it was chaos wasn't being done appropriately. <laughs> Um, and I was like, why am I still stressed up, like stressed out like this? I mean, it, I don't know. It, it I, I don't know if there were a lot of things, right? There were, you know, cutting expenses back and stuff, but, but it just kind of, there were, I and maybe there were just distractions, but it just wasn't as well managed as it used to be. You know, I came back from two and a half weeks out of state and there were like 300 emails in my inbox. And I was like, <laughs> uh, that's more emails in my inbox than I've ever had at any given time ever. Um, I was paying you. So were you on vacation? Like, <laughs> was that a, was that a virtual assistant or a, a local? Nope. I'm getting replaced by a virtual assistant. And that was basically the, the decision was why, why am I paying 20 bucks an hour when I could be paying five to four? Eight? Yeah. 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 Well, so I'm going for a pretty high level VA. Um, I want somebody who can do, you know, the, the inbox management and the scheduling, but also like manage the CRM for my, uh, referral program. And then, uh, actually the guy we've, we, we just sent the email to, Hey, set up the meet and greet. I think we're hiring this guy, uh, assuming that he hasn't been yanked by someone else. Um, he has experience as a community manager for like a VIP, uh, Facebook group for a CEO for who, where he was a executive assistant in the past. And that's huge for me because I'm have an ad on indeed right now to hire a community manager for my mastermind group. And so I'm like, well, I only have about 20 hours a week worth of work on the EA side. And I was going to have a bunch of admin tasks that I was going to just find. Yeah. And now I'm like, aha, perfect. So hopefully yeah. this just blends because I'm like, I don't really need a full 40 hour a week person for the, uh, you know, the community manager. I just need someone to help manage the chaos of, you know, 
So anyway, so in theory, this will be a really cool fit where I could put take two positions and fill it for eight bucks an hour and grow them, you know, 10 bucks an hour, heck, sure. 20 bucks an hour, and I'll still be way right. better off than where I was. So we'll see. Awesome. Let's back up, man. Tell us your story. What's uh, what was your journey like? What were you doing before? How'd you what do you got going on now? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's, I know everyone's like, oh, wow. Assistance. Yay. Uh, <laughs> who the hell is this guy? Um, yeah, man. So uh, it, 2008 joined the Marine Corps. You know, I was in uh, graduating high school, didn't have money for school, didn't want to go to school, didn't know what to do with my life. I was in Arkansas and I was like, ah, Arkansas is cool, but uh, I'm sure there's better stuff in life than Arkansas. So I'm going to leave. And if you don't have money and you don't, have scholarships. You know, the military is a pretty good way to leave a state. And so, yeah. you know, what better way to see the world for free than Uncle Sam? That was kind of my thought. And, uh, you know, at the time, they were all about sending you to really exotic deserts like Afghanistan. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, so it was great. Um, so I joined the Marine Corps and I loved it. I did 13 years active duty, a uh, year and a half in the reserves afterwards. And it was good times. Um, and I did the first seven years and I had uh, financially nothing to show for it, right? I was negative net worth. I did all the normal yeah. Marine Corps stuff, the tattoos, alcohol, drug, drugs, yeah. not drugs. That <laughs> just seems to like it'll rock. Sex, it rolls drugs, right drugs. off of your tongue. Tattoo, alcohol, <laughs> women is usually where I go with that next one. Cars, Harleys. Um, you know, normal Marine Corps things, drugs, is not normal Marine Corps things. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, and I just, one day I woke up, it was like, you know, I need to, I need to figure out how to, you know, someone handed me the book rich dad, poor dad, and it just kind of all clicked. And sure. so I started buying houses. I, I bought a duplex. I lived in one half, rented the other half. And then the next property was a 10 unit. And then, uh, it was, it was kind of a slow burn for a while. Um, you know, from 2015 to 2021, I ended up at like right, right at the hundred doors and, uh, you know, hit, just hit like the million dollar net worth and, and financial freedom barely, uh, but enough to where I was able to walk out of the Marine Corps in 2021 and without a pension and not have to take a job. And that was, you know, good enough for me to be happy, uh, or at least content and be able to keep, keep going. And really, I guess the only other interesting thing about my story other than doing that while active duty as an enlisted dude is that along the way i started kind of just documenting my journey uh on a little blog for militarymillionaire.com and that thing kind of took off and i don't really know what the catalyst was for that other than i was just answering people's questions as they asked them people liked my answers i was genuine because i was learning so i wasn't trying to sell anything at the time uh, still not really much for sales or at least not pushy. And uh, it, you know, people really resonated with the idea of military millionaire, which was the name that a friend of mine had come up with for the site. And it just kind of grew. And so, you know, between those two things, I was able to, I mean, that's pretty much all I do now is, is help service members, vets learn about real estate. And then I buy real estate. Awesome. And that's good life. How do you buy real estate and what kind of real estate do you buy? Yeah, that's a good question. That's the question of the year right now. Um, sure. I have, well, my quote will not surprise you by the end of this podcast <laughs> um, when we get to that point. I've been all over the map. 
I have, I don't know that there is a real estate strategy that I have not dabbled in at this point, with the exception of being the lead on syndications. Uh, I have, you know, co-sponsored um, and I've been uh, LP side and I've got an RV park and a mobile home park that we're under contract on now. And I had the RV park we already own uh, and I've got apartments and I've got like smaller, you know, 23 23 unit and under that I own myself or with two partners. And then I've got a hotel that I own with two partners, uh, 40 unit hotel. And then I've got a bunch of one to four door properties that I've either done, you know, buy and hold or the burr strategy or flipped or wholesaled or uh, yeah, I had a whole wholesaling company that did 30, 40 transactions in, in 2020 and 2021. And I sold that. And then, so, I mean, I've done everything. Um, and really, I just consider myself to be a buy and hold guy. And I do a lot of creative financing and deal structuring. Uh, but the thing that I've, why I say it's kind of the question of the year is, what I've done over the last six months is with the exception of one property that I'm really struggling to sell because the buyer just is having issues with their financing. Um, with the exception of that one property that's in escrow, uh, I will have, I, I've sold everything uh, that's less than five units that wasn't renovated in the last 24 months um, that I own uh, within the last six months. I just, killed it all off. If it wasn't renovated in the last two years, I got rid of it because I just was sick of the headaches. Uh, a lot of what I bought was rougher neighborhoods because yeah. I was, you know, didn't have a lot of money. So I was, I had to do the like higher leverage, crummier neighborhoods, higher rent to purchase price, yeah. typical thing. And so now I'm in that position where it's, if I'm going to own something less than five doors, it's got to be in a better neighborhood or newly renovated. And I'm trying to pivot more towards either complete LP positions or uh, partnerships where I'm not operating. So on this mobile home park, there's actually eight of us and I'm throwing my cash in and I'm going to do nothing. And on the RV park, I'm a 10% owner. I made introductions to the money guy, my lender, my LLC guy. The only thing I've ever done on that is two Zoom calls, the introductions, and I built the Google business page. That's it. Um, I didn't bring cash. I don't operate it. It's great. And so I'm trying to do more deals like that where I'm just completely hands off. And so that's kind of, I'm trying to figure out how to pivot to where I'm, I'm not the liability on the, on the deal. I'm not the, the time. I don't mind being the capital. I don't mind being the introductions. I don't mind being the strategy. I just don't want to be liable for the deal. And I don't want to be the guy that gets called when something goes wrong. And that's <laughs> pretty much where I'm at. Because I realized like my portfolio last year, it was like, we did this burr and this property is great. And the sewer line exploded. <laughs> we bought this house and the numbers are great. And 15 homeless people moved in. And I was just, it was, it was too much. It was just way too much, way too fast. So. So how many houses did you sell in the last six months? Uh, it wasn't anything too crazy. I think like seven, uh, but it was, it was a, four, a fourplex, two duplexes, and then yeah, I think three, four single families. So nice. And then a and, oh, and a ten unit. And I bet I bet I know what your quote is based off of the context clues. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. or at least close to it. But well, 
I don't know yeah, you the are, second. Yeah, half. you just started it. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. I I hinted yeah. at it at the beginning because I was like everyone always forgets the second half and that's the most important part. Right, right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, I'll I'll wait. I won't do a yeah. spoiler. Right? I'll wait till <laughs> the end. Yep. So, um, tell us about your master class. What is that? That's the first time. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's <clears throat> it's nothing. I, I mean, my catchphrase today seems to be it's nothing too crazy. Way to downsell my whole life, right? Um, so the I have a mastermind called the War Room, and it is basically it's just for service members and vets. Uh, it's the only thing that I actually do in my platform that's strictly service members and vets. Everything else is you know open to anyone, and, and obviously my audience kind of skews that way. But uh, this is the only thing that we've actually you know barred the doors for, unless you're active duty reservist or have a dd214 showing that you served um and really we just did that because there's that unique bond where the community is that much tighter uh and it's really just a community of people who want to invest in real estate so it's not niche specific it's we teach talk about everything uh we've got uh, we do group calls on Saturday with guest speakers. We do office hours calls Thursday night where it's like an ask me anything. Uh, we split sure. people into squads of six to eight for accountability that meet weekly. We've got 23 squads right now. And then, uh, you know, we just facilitate basically a community of people who have a little skin in the game. It's not super expensive at all, but it's just people who are serious enough to put, you know, 100 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, depending on when you joined into a group that says hey i'll put a little bit of skin in the game and i'll show up and um i'm here to learn i'm here to be serious about real estate and so it just it's just you know i had this massive facebook group and it was hard to tell who was actually serious about you know investing and so it's like you're making all these introductions but half of them are tire kickers and so we kind of i was like i want a space where it's like the people who care and it's been crazy i'm not the biggest fish in the group uh there's some some real real strong investors in there. And, and then we've got, you know, some master classes within that, some guys who run million dollar businesses teaching wholesaling, which is what they, their businesses or short-term rentals and stuff. And it's just, uh, it's cool. You know, it, it kind of started as just a, let's see what this community is. Uh, like what, what would happen if we pulled some people out of the group to form a little community and it's now probably the, I mean, not probably, it is the most fulfilling thing that I do within my brand. It's just fun, you know? So. Awesome. Tell me yeah. about your, your, uh, your podcast, because your podcast has done very well and you've had some really top tier talent on there. Do I remember that you, you had Robert Kiyosaki and Grant Cardone on there? Right? <laughs> Interestingly enough, I had them on, on the same day within yeah. an hour of each other we recorded so it's really funny when you get guests like that at that at that level right if they if they have an assistant who knows how to use the scheduling um and <clears throat> i probably she's gonna like listen to this episode she's probably never listened to a single <laughs> this is gonna be the one she listens to and i'm gonna get hate for like the rest of my life um so uh that wasn't the reason i let you go you were fine but <laughs> Anyway, um, it, the when you listen, when you get a guest of that caliber, right? Like Grant Cardone, they don't they don't send you like a scheduling link. They just say Grant's available on this day at this time. Take it or leave it. And if you don't take it, then right. they'll they might send you like another day at another time, 
And then if you don't take that one, like, Sorry. May, yeah. maybe you get another chance. Maybe you don't. Right. Like you're you're basically rolling your dice at that time. Like, well, I hope that, you know, you don't, good luck if you reschedule on grant, like good luck. Um, yeah. And so it's funny because I got an intro, like a really warm intro to Robert and I was really stoked and they actually said yes. And then they, so Robert's gatekeeper was like, I got this day and this time or this day and this time, take one. And so I picked one and it was like 1.40 PM on whatever Wednesday. And then literally two hours later, and I had been, you know, bugging Grant Cardone's team because I saw him his was not an introduction. His was just a face or an Instagram post. He was trying to get on a bunch of podcasts to pitch a deal. And I was like, Oh, an opportunity. So I just hounded his team. And I got an email that was like, we got noon on Wednesday, this date, take it or like, take it or leave it. We're doing this many podcasts. Yours is in line. Yes or no. He's got 25 minutes noon on Wednesday. And I was just like, there's no way this is happening. <laughs> and so I texted my <laughs> stuff. I was like, bro, um, you, are you sitting down? He's like, what? Like, so, so next week we're interviewing Grant Cardone at, and he was he was at the beach, wasn't he? Like he was on yeah, like he, an island. He was he was in uh, Tulum, in <laughs> in Mexico or whatever, on yeah. vacation. I was like, hey, I know you're on vacation next week, but when you get guests like this, they don't let you pick the schedule. So you, I get you're on vacation. You can either make this, or I'm going to record it without you because I'm not rescheduling. And so. Just so you know, next week at one, Grant Cardone is going to record with us for 25 minutes. That's all he gave us, but that's what we get. And then 15 minutes later, Robert Kiyosaki is recording with us. So <laughs> uh, I would appreciate if you could just find, you know, three hours during your vacation to find internet. But if not, you know, whatever. And uh, it was good times. Oh, my gosh, it was crazy. And it's funny because the introduction I got, I won't name the podcast, but it was from a podcast, a big podcast. It was from their producer because I'm friends with them. And uh, they said it was the Robert was the most heavily they've ever edited an episode in the entire sure. existence of the podcast at that time. And then he comes on the show and we got done with the recording. I looked at my co-host and I was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to edit we're, it. We're, I was like, we're going to record a 30 second warning that says, hey, don't listen might, to this if you're sensitive. Yeah, you might it. get triggered. <laughs> it's so funny because I I messaged Alex like right after it came out because I listened to it and I was like. And I don't even remember, but it was like something to the effect of like, holy shit, I can't believe you released that whole thing or. Or like I'd wanted him, I'd wanted him on my show, but I'm like, I'd be afraid I'd alienate too many people. I asked him, I met him in, um, in Phoenix and I asked him to be on the show and he yelled at me and walked away. He yelled <laughs> at me. He yelled at me and he told me to give my contact info to this other guy. And like, like, this is my people get with my people. And when I walked up to his people, they're like, I don't even work for him. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't surprise me after that conversation, yeah. we got done and I was like, I want to have a beer with Robert. He is yeah. nuts in every way that I want to drink with him. He just yeah. seems like he would be so cool to party with. The yeah. podcast was crazy. I mean, he's talking about like drunkenly taking helicopters and picking up chicks while he was in the <laughs> Marine Corps. And 
trannies and i mean i was just like <laughs> oh my goodness what are we doing and i'm like i can't stop it it's so bad but like you know he uses all these polarizing words but his actual message is really not that bad he's just he's yeah. just trying to get he's doing what donald trump and uh right. ben shapiro and everybody does at that level which is how can i say this thing in a way that gets me the most press and the yeah. way that you say it is you use the words that get attention and he figured it out like everybody is like oh my god i can't believe he said that he's crazy and it's like i mean really all he's saying is like hey if you have financial freedom you can say and do whatever you want and it doesn't right. matter it's not really that crazy of a concept but he's making the point by saying and doing all kinds of crazy things that <laughs> drive the point home pretty hard because everybody's like dude what is he doing who cares he doesn't care why should you yeah yeah it's pretty funny sure. He was he was a hoot too, like before and after the recording. He was he was he was a good time to talk to. He was fun. Nice. Yeah. That's funny though that he yelled it. I can totally see that. Like I'm not surprising at all after talking to him. Well, he I don't think he could hear well. Yeah, he's I think he's he's, he's a got like hard a, hearing. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. his uh his he when I was at that conference, they announced like they're getting him and Kim are getting divorced. Oh. And that's, dude, it's so crazy to me. And this is totally off the topic of real estate. But like, you know, I'm sure you, just like everybody else in our in our community, is like, it's, it, you know, you, you, you're you trying to improve yourself in every regard. You know, you're trying to be a better father and son and health and all that kind of stuff. So you can get into this. And then you start to see all these like really rich people that are getting divorced. And it's like, man, you know, because when I do this, when I, you know, when I go out and risk and, and work to buy properties and stuff, in my mind, I'm always like, oh, well, you know, if I could just get financially free, I could be a better father. I would have more time to spend with my wife. I, you know what I mean? But so often in in the media with all these billionaires, they're getting divorced left and right after like 40 years. You would think like if you're in your 70s, you made it over the hump. You know what I mean? Like. You think yeah. the trouble is when everybody's young and going crazy and you know what I mean in their twenties. But shit, if you've been together thirty years and you're worth a hundred million dollars, like couldn't finish it off. <laughs> yeah, the the problem is that uh you know the, the goalpost moves, man. You know, and it's 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 yeah. addicting and, and men are driven by purpose and and it it's scary to shut that down, right? And I mean, obviously I'm not at that that point or that level where that's where I feel like I could just completely shut that down and coast, but I won't name names, but I was at a GoBundance retreat. Um, are you familiar with GoBundance? I'm in GoBundance. Yeah, no joke. Of course, that's how we, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, were you in Tahoe? I was not in Tahoe. I, I, uh, okay. I really, I really got FOMO on that. I, I basically, I, I had a lot of other trips in March and, and I, you know, I'd just been traveling a lot last year, so I was going to try and dial it down. So I went back and forth, and then at the last minute, I said, "Screw it, I'm going to go." And I pulled it up, and the tickets were sold out. That, yeah, okay. I have way too many conversations. I 100% we had that conversation, and I'm an income poop. Um, okay, so one of the conversations you missed, and I'll name it when we're done recording with who it was. Um, one of the gentlemen at GoBundance who has a fairly significant uh, significant net worth was talking about exactly this. He's like, I kept chasing, you know, and I got to this benchmark that was my goal. And then I shifted the goal. 
and I blew past it. And he uh, he was on stage talking about how it wasn't until last year he did uh, he signed up for ketamine therapy. He did like four of the six sessions. It's legal in Texas, I guess. He did four never, sessions. We we used to do ketamine in college. I didn't know there was a, a therapy <laughs> assessment. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, it's a real thing now. It's like a medical legal you know thing, I guess, in Texas. You can sign up for it. So this guy did. Uh, four sessions realized that that was all he needed. He didn't need the fifth and sixth, but, um, and it was basically like, that was what it took for him to realize that he doesn't need to chase all the chaos anymore and all the goals and everything. Um, but you know, his goal was, you know, 10 and he got to 15 or whatever and was like, uh, why am I still pushing this so hard? I'm totally good. I'm done. I hit everything. Like, why can I not just shut it down and be present with my family? And yeah. the, you know, marriage almost ended at one point. And, uh, and so I think that's exactly what it is. is some of these guys, it's just, you know, like Grant Cardone, like that guy has plenty, but yeah. I don't think he could, I think he's one of those guys who would like kill himself if he just completely shut it down. Gotta have some. I mean, you see that my dad is 71. He hasn't needed to work in years, but he still goes to work every day. He just doesn't know how to do anything else, you know? Yeah. And and he doesn't want to face his mortality. You know what I mean? And and that's just one step closer to death that he can't accept. You know what I mean? But oh, yeah. I, I'm I'm very I'm very it it's kind of weird trying to trying to balance that like super achievement with like the other things. Like I always say, like I don't need to be Grant Cardone. I don't need to be a millionaire. I, I would you know, I'd be a perfectly happy hundred millionaire with you know <laughs> spending yeah. time with my family. And because uh, you don't want to be the billionaire who's been divorced seven times at the end of your life, you know. Uh, I had this this thing, you know, I, I journal a, a journal every day and have for years. And I, I journaled this thing that occurred to me like when when I was running one time, you kind of like the runner high, the hormone. It just oh, like, I love it. Yep. appeared to me, and it was like. Uh, the most impressive thing you can do in your life is like raise happy kids. And then like the, the the best way to raise happy kids is like properly love their mother. And so I try and like incorporate that into my, like my decision-making because I, I mean, just like, like I'm sure all of us, like I'd very much ignored and alienated my family in the pursuit of riches. And, and, you know, I would, I would always, like you said, the goalpost moves. I'm like, Oh, we just need to get here. And then I can slow down. And my wife would be like, I don't believe that. Once you get there, you're just going to want to get there. And then once you get there, you're, you're like, I don't, I don't think you can sit still. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've been guilty of that myself. I think, <laughs> I think we all, to some extent, you know, my wife's like, with the other day, she's like, I don't know if I feel financially secure because of all this debt. I'm like, well, I'll pay off. You want me to pay? And every time I'm like, well, how about I pay off the primary mortgage? And she's like, well, I don't want that. I just assume a mortgage is a part of life. And I'm like, well, what do you, what do you want then? Like, and I'm confused. Like I'll pay off the house. If that, like, that seems like a logical next step for well, financial logic, security, but log lo logically, it's probably not the best step, right? Because I would imagine the debt you have on your primary residence is a lot lower interest rate and longer amortization and fixed versus, you know, the yeah. more expensive, balloon adjustable debt you probably have on some of these investment properties so like there's this there's this like tugging at you from our like traditional programming where you like you want to pay off your house but like in reality if you've got you know uh 
a $300,000 or $500,000 mortgage over here at 2.9% on a 30-year fix. And then you've got $8 million of like balloon debt at five and a half percent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it definitely makes more financial sense to start paying off some of those mortgages before you, your primary residence should be the last thing you pay off. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, but that doesn't make the wife sleep any better, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is, which is where I'm like, okay, well, what would make you sleep better? Like, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what would make you sleep better. I would love to know what would make you sleep better. But you know, so your your properties. How many properties are you still holding? Like, it, like not not syndication, not group partner, but like how many like individual properties in your rental portfolio are you holding, and how are they being managed? Mm-hmm. Third party manage it, or do you do that in house? Uh, yeah, no, all all third party. How is that going? And do you have a good third party manager you like, or is that like a constant struggle? Yeah, it's you know so. it's funny i joked last night on a on the office hours call for my mastermind i was like someone asked you know how do you like what does a good property manager look like like what's your ideal like perfect property management company look like and i was like they don't exist there is no perfect property manager that's a myth Uh, unless you're doing it yourself and even then it's not a perfect property manager because you're miserable um but you know the Mine, I I love mine, and they're definitely not perfect. I'm sure that there are tons of expenses where I could, you know, cut costs and save some money here and get a little better here. And uh, but I had a, you know, I I had a lawsuit uh, that I was in for pretty much four years. So I bought a property in 2018, and I settled the lawsuit in 2022 on a, a lease option weird deal where uh, basically it was. I can't use the word scam, but essentially I paid for the option on the 67,000 square foot building. And the guy just, it was, you know, the the lawsuits I won were for like fraudulent misrepresentation. Um, I can't remember the other two claims. There were three claims. That was the biggest one. And and basically like, you know, just unjust enrichment and anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, Fraudulent misrepresentation being the big one, right? So basically saying like, hey. You like I you, I got into this deal because you lied about a whole bunch of crap on your numbers, um, and then he you know tanked the deal and there was something else and and I got all the money back and we settled and we got everything out of it and everything was made whole we even got interest on it and yada yada, uh, but I say all that just to say she managed everything all the way through um, for for all my other properties, but she showed up in court and sat outside the courtroom she wasn't allowed in the courtroom. For like six and a half hours waiting on them to call her in for like a 25 minute, you know, be on the stand to leave. And it was an hour and 20 minute drive from her office to court. And she had to be there at like 8 a.m. And so, you know, is she the best property management company in the world and in the state? Maybe there's somebody better. I've never looked because to me, you can't buy that. And sure, so, sure, sure. you know, I'm, I, I doesn't matter. I'm like, she, the lady, the ladies that the cops called on her like three times for me and shown up in court. I don't care if there's a bad property manager that would save me a couple hundred bucks here and there. You can't buy that kind of loyalty. So, um, yeah, yeah but she's, she's good. Uh, her team's great. You know, it's, 
I, I like the fact that they can they handle the books well enough and they pay my mortgage well enough that I don't need a bookkeeper for those LLCs. So saves me a little bit of money there. So you know, and it, ups and downs. Um, definitely had some hiccups over the years, but for the most part, it's been good. I'm not detailed yeah. enough to be able to handle it on my own. Well, I'm not either. But what I've found is that employees respond a lot better than these third party vendors. So uh, I, I just fired my property manager and it was absolutely terrible. Mm. And, and so I, I just hired uh, somebody in house to manage it. And the first month that she, you know, and her office is right there. You know what I mean? Like, we, like she works for me in my office and we collected like 15,000 more than any, like any month for the last year and a half they were managing and our expenses were a fourth. And I mean, and it just, it's like, what were they doing? You know what I mean? So, um, I'm happy with the with the in-house management and how it's going so far. And we're considering taking on other investors because there's there there's I don't I don't know about where you are, but here there's just there's a need in the marketplace. Everybody's asking for a good property manager and nobody can find one. And for mm. this for this space, right? Like there's some there's some top-tier apartment property managers, right? They're a lot more sophisticated type of company, but like these guys that are managing the the single family space, it's it's just hard to get hard to get somebody who cares about your stuff you know yeah yeah i i agree with that for sure uh my buddy who's probably crushing it more than anyone else manages his own stuff uh and he has a va who handles a lot of it and he's always like just manage your own and i'm like dude my problem is just that i you know that i'm just not detail oriented enough to handle that kind of i mean it would just stress me out so much uh now if this executive assistant comes in and crushes the admin stuff as well as you know potential potentially Mm -hmm. they they could um that'll free up my coo's time a decent amount on a lot of the processes and and stuff that he's been overseeing and he's super detail oriented and so you know theoretically then i could be like yo Paul, I need you to help me build out the systems to manage someone, and then maybe maybe it'd be something worth because it would it would definitely be worth pulling someone in house to do a decent amount of that. It's just that if it was left to me to build build that out and manage right. it, it would not be it would it would be worse than if I was doing a third party. Because well, no, no, uh, same, same. And <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't do it any better. The answer yeah. the answer for me was not me doing it. It'll yeah. never be me doing it. It was finding somebody yeah. that. that that their their entire their entire job is to focus on my properties. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and they work for me. You know, when you when I go to this third party manager, I'm like, I am a, I am like a fifth or a tenth of their properties. You know what I mean? They've got yeah. they they don't work for me. They don't really care what my opinion is. They're like, well, this is how we do it. If you don't like it, leave. You know? Yeah. Um, versus somebody who. And I would have stuff going vacant sitting for months at a time. Whereas, like, if we go vacant today, like, we're she's over there the next day. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's so awesome. That do? definitely makes a difference. Where where you're uh, where are you located? I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, nice. Are yeah. you you left Arkansas? Did you ever go back, or where are you? I am in Springfield, Missouri, so about okay. four hours north of where I grew up. I got stuck here as a recruiter in the Marine Corps. And this is where I bought my first house and then where I met my wife and she's got 
ton of family here and I just kind of kept buying houses here because the market's not terrible. And so when I got out of the Marine Corps, it just kind of made sense at low cost of living and she's got family. So right. not a bad place. Close enough to my family to visit and far enough that they have to call before they visit. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, so what what kind of advice do you give the people that are just starting out? Yeah, I mean, oh, there's so much, right? But the first thing I tell people is just, well, first, I love house hacking, right? I absolutely, if it's a young, especially a single person or a, a young, yeah. just couple with no kids, I love the duplex, triplex, fourplex house hack where you, you know, most people like you got to pay to live somewhere, but you don't really, not if you buy a fourplex and your tenants can pay for where you would be living. So now you're instead of paying thousand bucks a month to live somewhere, you could just pocket that thousand bucks a month while you're learning how to be a landlord, how to deal with depreciation, how to, you know, and it's not as scary, right? It's, it's much scarier to buy a investment property psychologically than it is to buy a house. Everybody's trained, you know, from birth that, oh, you should buy a house someday. You're going to want to have your own house instead of rent all your life. That's much less scary to tell your parents that you're buying a house than it is to tell your parents you're buying an investment property that you're not going to live in. So I love that strategy. And, you know, I think you got to get your finances in order, right? You got to have decent, decent understanding of where your money's going and uh, have a decent reign on all that. Get all that stuff in order and, you know, the basics stuff. But I think the the thing that I spend most of my time talking to people about and the reason that I think the mastermind or any mastermind or GoBundance or anything else is so powerful is that I think the single most important thing people can do when they're getting started is understand the lens that people are giving advice through. And the analogy that I'm always telling people this about, because it's funny to me and to envision is, you know, if you think of your mom, obviously has your best interest at heart. She loves you. And if you don't have a mom, picture a grandma or whatever, somebody who loves you unconditionally, who has your best interest at heart. If you don't have one of those, think of Cupid. I don't know. Whatever. Um, Somebody loves you. That person has your best interest at heart. We're using mom. And that's great. But your mom's not a UFC fighter, right? And if you wanted to become a professional UFC fighter, would you listen to your mom about how to get in the ring with Khabib? Or would you hire Ray Longo or some professional UFC striking coach or grappling coach or you know, the Gracie brothers or whatever, like some actual UFC coach. And the answer is obvious. I'd hire an actual like mixed martial arts <laughs> coach who knows how to get me in the ring and take some punches. And if my mom is, I wouldn't hire my mom because she has my best interest at heart, but she has no expertise in the field in which she would be giving me advice. So whatever she says, well, my best interest is at heart should not be given any weight because she's not an expert in that field. And yet for some reason, when people are like, I want to start investing in real estate and mom who may have never owned a house in her entire <laughs> life is like, that's a terrible idea. We're like, oh, well, my mom said, but then you've got this yeah. guy like David Osborne who's worth $160 million is like, heck yeah, go buy you some houses. That's a great idea. And we're like, yeah, but my mom said, <laughs> you're right and who should you listen to if this is what you're wanting to do but for so so i always tell people that like just choose the lens choose who you're choose who you're around and just understand that having your interest 
like wanting the best for you doesn't correlate with having the information to give that advice. Pick people who have the life that you want in that area before you listen to their advice. Right. You know? Yeah. You wouldn't listen to me about how to be 150 pounds. <laughs> But you might listen to me about how to grow a luscious beard. <laughs> I can't help you because that's genetics. But, um, so what's next for you? Oh, that's the question, right? Um, you know, after the Tahoe event, I uh, finally think I have a little bit of clarity. I am actually really trying to just pivot the real estate portfolio to be in a lot less hands-on, a uh, lot more passively involved there and a lot more leaning into the content side and focusing on helping service members and vets uh, learn, yes, a lot about real estate investing and the community in general, but also really just the VA loan and basic military finance stuff. You know, I, I, I think the way that I was putting it to people there is, you know, I can make $10,000 as a landlord or I can make $10,000 helping a service member or a vet, you know, buy their buy their first house with a VA loan, or uh, you know, whatever that may look like. And one of those is really fulfilling. And the other, I mean, I don't know about you. I've been in the real estate game for seven, eight years. Um, I've never had a tenant thank me for allowing <laughs> them to pay rent. So I've not nearly thank, as fulfilling. I've had a tenant thank me for allowing them to pay rent late. <laughs> Oh, there you go. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's a version, I suppose, but just not as fulfilling, you know? And so yeah. while I love real estate and it's gotten me where I am and it's going to continue to be where I store my my wealth and well, where I build wealth and where I and you know buy assets and where I hold long-term, and I'm definitely going to continue playing the game, um, it's just not... I don't think it's going to be like my my number one focus as far as like finding off market deals in the same way that it was last year. And so I think I'm going to put a lot more energy into building out the business to help other people do all of that. And then, you know, I think the old, like the more you help other people achieve their goals, the more yeah. you succeed. So I'm put a lot of effort into, into the content side and the education side on just, there's so much misinformation about the VA loan and basic military benefits and and how to you know how to achieve financial freedom i mean service members have so many opportunities and if we can just help them not squander those opportunities and, yeah. you know i don't know so try to try to work on that um and then debating whether or not to uh start my own little charity this year so we'll uh We'll see. I have no idea what that looks like, but awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know you got a, a jet in a couple minutes, so I want to hop to our radio oh, yeah. round. Uh first question is what's your favorite book? Ah, and as we discussed, it changes always depending on topic. But uh the one that I probably need to revisit here uh that has come up recently is Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt, which is just a good book as far as uh, getting your schedule in line. So it's it's kind of, I guess, not, necess not necessarily like four-hour work week, but just a good book about getting control of your schedule and regaining some time. Awesome. Uh, what's your favorite quote? 
<laughs> you already know the the quote that we were talking about before this is the one that fits me in life right now is uh, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. And so I, you know, I grew up always here in a jack of all trades, a master of none. And people always forget the second part. And so I was, right. you know, I was always led to believe that shiny object syndrome or doing a bunch of stuff is wrong. And uh, and then it was actually David Osborne who came and spoke to the mastermind once. It was like, you know, it was really cool when I finally learned that you kill a lot more with a grenade than you do a sniper rifle. And that hit home to me. I was like, oh, yeah. hmm. And so, like, the more I started leaning into, you know, experimenting with a bunch of things and figuring out what worked, the more I just felt at home and it it's worked for me so far. So. For sure. What's your favorite thing to do when you're not working? Hmm. You know, uh, one of these days it's going to be driving around in my Ferrari. Uh, you know, I, I'm a I'm definitely a go fast car guy, so I like uh, I like fast uh, vehicles. Uh, I sold my my toys when I first got into real estate, and I haven't bought anything crazy yet. But in the absence of crazy fast toys, at the moment, hiking going out with friends traveling hiking i did like the five day 56 mile trek to machu picchu in september and that was awesome. one of the coolest experiences I, in the last decade so so funny story about that uh, i went in 2014 we went and spent uh a week in a week in the jungle and a week in the mountains and uh we in the jungle we did ayahuasca with the shaman and then in the mountains we were supposed to, we, we went to cusco and we were supposed to do a four-day trek that that finished at at um at Machu Picchu. But the night the, we we arrived in Cusco, we were going to spend the night, and then they they were going to come pick us up at like four in the morning. Well, at like one in the morning, I thought I had some bad ceviche, but it turned out to be altitude sickness. I was violently sick. I was there with my cousin and my dad, and. Uh, Come four in the morning, I could not get on the bus. They got on the bus. Uh, they went. They went and did their four day trek while I sat in that hotel room and threw up on myself. And then finally, after about two days, I was okay. And I took a train to the base of Machu Picchu <laughs> and did that and met them there and did that like last little forty five minute hike to Machu. Picchu. So I saw it. I just didn't do the four day oh, trek. Funny. You know, while they're yeah. out there. Well, that while they're out there, you know, sleeping in the wild, I was like pinned up in the hotel room doing a little shopping, you know. Man, the, I, I, I roll up on them. Joke. I roll up on them all clean and well showered and shaved, and they're like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> covered in mud, sleeping in the dirt for four days. Oh man, the altitude is no joke. That's for sure. Um, yeah, that that hike that was uh, such a cool experience. Even even without the hike, Machu Picchu itself is just. Yeah, I tell everyone it's a bucket. It should be a bucket list item for sure. Well, I know you got to run. First, tell it, tell everybody how they can get a hold of you, how they can find out more about you, learn from you, join your mastermind. Yeah, the best the best way. Um, you know, I'd love to give everyone a, a free copy of my book. So I, I wrote a book called the the No BS Guide to Military Life. Uh, just a everything I wish I'd known when I joined the military about basic military, you know, finance, benefits, real estate, whatever service members, vets, or give it to somebody who is a service member or vet that you know. But uh, you can download the PDF for free. Um, and the website, I just I just created this the other day. I think this is hilarious. Uh, so if you go to 
thebestpodcastguest.com. You can <laughs> download that. And uh, on that on that page, it has a you know a link to download the PDF, but it also has all my socials and everything all in one spot. Because I realize I do all these podcasts and I'm always like, you can just message me on Instagram. That's like the worst thing ever. So if you just yeah. go to, you know, thebestpodcastguest.com, you can download the book for free, find all my socials, everything's all in one spot. So much easier and actually sounds like I kind of know what I'm doing, which makes way more sense. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate you joining the show. Uh, always enjoyed your content and your, you know, your your podcast and look forward to keeping up with you on your journey. Yeah. Sterling, thank you very much for having me on. And uh, this is a good time, brother. This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to CrestworthCapital.com where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.